Hello and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. Oh, hey there. Quick question for you before we dive into the episode. Do you know if your hiring practices are compliant under your state's laws? This is something that I've been talking about on the podcast for the past couple of weeks. And it's something that I'm going to be talking to some of my students about in the next couple of weeks. I've just created a new course called Unfuck Your Hiring which is going to be a mini course to help you determine what the contractor laws are in your state and how you can properly onboard contractors and subcontractors into your business. So if you're interested in joining the program, it's going to be really short. We're going to go through it in one week, starting the week of Monday, June 26th. It is $100. There's uh, three little modules of course recordings. You can go through those in about an hour, and then we're going to do three live Q&As. So you'll get the contractor compliance framework training. That's what I've named the framework that I'm teaching to you in the program. And then we will discuss how to properly onboard your contractors, and you will also get a contractor agreement template. So this is the contract you need to send to onboard your contractors. So again, it's $100. It's going to be really, really fun. We already have about five people signed up. Um, I imagine we'll get, you know, a few more. Hopefully you are one of those people. And if you are interested in learning more, you can check it out in the show notes. So hop on over, sign up, and I will see you in class. Well, hello there, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am joined by previous student, good friend, entrepreneur, all-around badass, Emily Lepke, owner of Anna Dolores Photography. Emily, how's it going? It's going. How are you? You know, just hanging in there. It's starting to get a little warm in my office. Yes. I don't have air, any air conditioning in here. So we're in, a, we're in a heat wave in California for sure. We have air conditioning in our office and in our bedroom just for such occasions. Yeah. Um, ours, my home. So my, I can't really complain. My home office is an ADU. It's like a converted garage, mm-hmm. um, which means I have my own space outside the house, which is very nice. It's amazing. It's, yes. It's getting a little bit warm. Okay. So just to kind of set this episode up for everyone a little bit. Um, if you haven't been tuning in, go back and listen to my last couple of podcast episodes because I'm right now in the middle of what I'm calling the hiring series. I don't know how many more episodes we're going to have left in this series. I'm kind of like doing this like fun free bird spirit thing where I'm letting uh, letting the the winds direct me each week as to that was stupid. But basically, I'll have this all <laughs> planned out for like the next month, um, which was really good because Emily actually contacted me just a few days ago after she listened to my last episode with Ashley Eber. Highly recommend everyone because Ashley is an absolute pro when it comes to hiring and team building. It's and a great episode. It's yes, a great it was episode. a very yeah. good episode. Um, and Emily was really a great fit to come on the podcast because Emily, you are one of my previous Unfuck Your Biz students, and you came and joined the program as you were building out your associate team. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that, but then really specifically, we're going to dive into how much you should be paying your contractors because I teach on cash flow, and Emily can kind of share with us how, I don't want to say how poorly 
a lot of her peers pay people because if anything, <laughs> they're overpaying. So it's like a poor model. It's not poor pay. That's yeah, what we want to talk about. You're poorly paying yourself, if anything. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about your associate team. What I'm curious about is can you tell us like when you started to hire associates and what kind of like the trigger point was for you? Like at what point did you decide I'm too busy? I need help. Sure. So um, I'll keep this as brief as possible, but essentially uh, it was my third, second or third year in business. And I was photographing, I want to say it was like 40 weddings by myself. And, um, and I'd hustled really hard my first couple of years to just book volume. I was just trying to book as many weddings as I could. And I did really well with that. This was, I started my business in, in 2012. So like the first couple of years, I was just hustling and booking whatever I could. Um, How much were you charging? Not very much. I was going to say price point wasn't a concern. Um, I think I booked my first wedding for a thousand bucks. So um, yeah. So, I mean, I would say my average around then was between like 1500, anywhere from 1500 to $3,000. I remember I booked a $3,000 wedding in 2014 and I like thought I was very fancy. I think okay. we were like, so you're probably, you're probably, probably grossing like 80 grand on 40 weddings, which I is mean, a like, amount of revenue, but it was a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I was exhausted. I was yeah. completely shot. I was, um, uh, I mean, I guess, thankfully not in a relationship at the time because it probably would have suffered immensely. <laughs> <laughs> I had not met my husband yet. So Um, so, so at the time I was already thinking about an associate model. I was like, I need more people. I, I was turning away inquiries, even with all those weddings I was already shooting. I was just getting inquiries for days I was already booked. So, um, I had a friend who I knew was maybe thinking about not booking her own weddings anymore, but had experience with weddings. So I asked her to come on. Um, and then, um, I also ended up meeting, um, this other associate that ended up working with me for about four years. She just had a baby and loved weddings, but, but didn't want to kind of do all the daily ins and outs of running a business, just wanted to do the fun stuff like shooting a wedding. So, um, so those were my first two associates back in 2014. And, and, um, it's just kind of taken off from there. I've, I currently have a team of three other, um, associates who work for me. And I'm actually looking at hiring one or two more for the next year, nice. which is exciting. So. Okay. I have a, I have a pause question on that. Yes. So yeah. as you all know, this is not a marketing podcast. I have so many guests I could bring on to talk about marketing. Cause I have a lot of yeah. friends in the industry, but there are already a lot of podcasts on that. So I talk about like what no one else wants to talk about, but while I have you here, I feel like I have to ask, Yeah. how did you manage to get booked so quickly? like fully booked so early in your bit, like what were you doing that worked so well to get all this? I was honestly doing, I was kind of doing a little bit of everything. I was doing very much like throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. So I was advertising in every blog that I could. I was advertising on green wedding shoes, hundred layer cake, style me pretty. Like paid um, advertising? Paid advertising, yes. Wedding, I was part of Wedding Wire. I um I think Wedding Wire was good in the beginning of my career, especially because I wasn't charging a ton. That was like a good client base for that, was was people looking on Wedding Wire. Um I was hustling pretty hard in the local industry. I was going to a lot of networking events. I was shooting, doing a lot of styled shoots, um, for free, uh, you know, just to kind of network and get in with, get in with wedding planners. Um, my relationships with wedding planners now are a huge part of my business. I don't really pay for much advertising anymore. Um, 
I still pay to be part of green wedding shoes because I love their blog and I think they're great. But other than that, I don't pay to be part of blogs anymore. I don't, I don't really pay for a lot of advertising. So in those early years, a lot of those relationships that I was building with wedding planners has have continued to serve me through this time. And then I was getting friend referrals. Like I was at the age where a lot of my friends were getting married and then they would tell their friends about me. So all of these things kind of came together. So I was just, and again, I had good prices. So yeah, so. yeah, that'll, that, that could be a whole nother. I've actually recorded a it podcast episode about that. Like whether it's worth it to like undercharge in the beginning to build a portfolio, right. that yeah. could be a whole podcast episode. It okay. Really could. Yeah. So you hire your friend or your colleague as an associate at the time, I'm assuming you were paying them as contractors, right? So did you call them associates or did you call them second shooters or what did that business model look like? I did call them associates in the beginning and I still call them associates internally. Now. Um, I don't call them that kind of client facing anymore as much as I can. I try to call them like the, like the team or lead photographers. Um, because I think associate can sometimes sound like less than, and I, Mm -hmm. you know, try to not have that kind of uh, association with them. I don't want clients to feel like they're not getting a good photographer if they book one of my team. So anyway, um, but I did call them associates in the beginning. They were contractors. Um, and, uh, and I remember actually very early, you know, being a little bit concerned about that because I'd read different places like, oh, maybe your associate should be employees mm-hmm. because it's a little bit of a gray area with the California laws at the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We don't, luckily we don't have to get into that on this podcast. Do not, no, I, already rec- I already recorded one of those. Yeah, 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 exactly. I listened to that one too, just as like a refresher because there's been the exception, um, since that. So I think that's really helpful too. Anyway. So, um, so yeah, they were contractors. I called them associates and I just paid them like on an, as you know, as needed basis per job that they were doing. So, and was it, were you paying them flat fee per job or hourly? It was an hourly rate. So I would, I would pay them a booking bonus as like a thank you for saving the date. Um, and then they would get a flat hourly rate after that. And I would just kind of pay it out as we went. So they'd get the booking bonus when the client booked, and then they would get their hourly rate after the completion of the wedding. Usually they'd get it like the next day. So, okay. And then how did you typically determine compensation? Like, did you pay different rates based on experience or did they like tell you what their rates were? A little bit of both. So I determined starting rates by doing mentorships with other photographers who were offering associate programs just to kind of see what other people were doing because I didn't know what was fair. I knew it needed to be more than like what a second shooter was because there's more responsibility when you are the lead photographer on a wedding day. You are in, you know kind of in charge of the flow of the day and, and um, making more decisions than a second shooter does. So I knew compensation needed to be more than that. So um, I started... I believe I started out um, paying everybody just the same. And then um, the uh, the woman who worked for me uh, the longest for about four years, uh, I, along the way, we sort of, it was a negotiation, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she would kind of be like, it was like, okay, it's, it's the end of the year. Can we talk about compensation? You know, this is how much I've grown. You know, I think this is where I should be. And I would basically agree with her and be like, great. And then I'd give her that raise. <laughs> so um So I think that that was actually a very good contractor specific relationship because it was definitely something where, um, you know, she was really uh, part of the decision on how much she was getting, she was getting paid. So, so let's talk a little bit about what I want to do is kind of set the stage and talk a little bit about the difference between second shooters and associates, and then also like kind of similarities in other industries. There can be other wedding industries, Mm -hmm. but 
essentially it's kind of like the way I look at it is a second shooter is there to assist you and an associate is there to replace you. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good quick and dirty explanation. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So then like, I don't, I guess wedding planners like technically use, I don't know if they call them associates, but they have the same business model. Sometimes they do. Sometimes, I mean, again, you know, I try not to call my associates associates uh, externally as much. Like I try to call them team members or lead photographers and planners absolutely have lead planners or lead coordinators or people that they will put in charge of a day that maybe they can't be present for, Um, you know, and they'll do like the planning process with the client, maybe leading up to the wedding day. But if they're, you know, have multiple weddings on the same day, they obviously can't be on site for every single one of those clients. So they'll have, what are essentially associates, but they may not call them that um, at, you know, at those other weddings. And then I think like another interesting perspective to look at this is I would be curious, like in the floral design space and in some of these other spaces, that's probably a little bit different because ultimately like the client doesn't even necessarily need to know who's doing the work on the back end, right? right? Like in your job and in the wedding planner's job, even like a DJ and officiant, mm-hmm. it's all about like who's there on the day of. For right. some of these other services, it's behind the same, like the scenes. And we could say the same right. for like web designers, graphic designers, sure. but for those people, I suppose like an associate rather than a contractor would be more of the, like the point of contact with the client is one way we could look right. at it. Right. Um, yeah. And the reason why I like to differentiate this is because a, it does play into our independent contractor laws because it's the mm-hmm. amount of interaction they're having with the client. Go back and listen to my podcast on that a few weeks ago. Um, And B, obviously, scope of pay, right? Like if you have a subcontractor that's just reporting to you and you're giving them very mundane work, it's going to be a different level of pay than someone who's fully like client facing um, and taking a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Okay, fun. So when it comes to working with contractors, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see other industry professionals making? I think one of the, if not the, well, I'll say one of the biggest mistakes, because there are lots of, there are lots of things. There's a lot of things I've learned in the, what is it now, seven years that I've had an associate team. Um, I think one of the biggest ones is how to pay your associates, how much to pay your associates. Um, I've talked to several photographers and I think a lot of wedding planners do this as well. They pay their associates on a percentage-based model. And, um, and while, I've never done that. So I can't, you know, speak obviously specifically to each individual person's business. I do think that that can be a dangerous model because it it really oversimplifies what your costs might be um, and, and what you are paying yourself. So for example, if a photographer or wedding planner or really anyone else in any industry is saying, well, you know, it's a lot of work for, for my associate, for, for my contractor to show up on the wedding day and shoot this eight hour wedding day by themselves. I think that's worth 50% of whatever the package price is. Uh, That is a gross oversimplification of everything that's involved in a wedding day. And I think it's very easy to look at like, oh, well, the bulk of work is what's happening on the wedding day. Yes. And no, I think it's a lot of I mean, it's definitely most of the physical work um, that you're doing. And, um, and there's a lot of value there in having someone to go and do that physical work for you. And frankly, that's why I have an associate team, because I know that the older I get, the fewer weddings I'm going to be able to physically shoot myself. Um, And even now I'm already limiting myself because I just physically can't go to to 30, 40, 50 weddings a year anymore. 
Um, that said, the eight hours on a wedding day that is being taken up by the client, that is, I think, still a fraction of not only the yeah. time, but also the cost that goes into serving that client for, for their wedding. Do people ever pay second shooters a percentage or is that always hourly? I don't think that's ever a thing. I've never, honestly, never okay. heard of that. Second shooters that's are an hourly probably rate. for the, probably and for the I, best. Yeah. And I actually think that that's a really good point that because you're not paying second shooters that much, the associate is sort of doing the same thing. And again, associate shooters absolutely have more responsibility. So they should still get paid more than a second shooter. Um, but they're still just kind of there for the hourly experience. My associates, their biggest and really almost only responsibility with the exception of the occasional, maybe walk through. Sometimes the client wants to talk to them before booking just so they can have like, make sure like they like this person and want to spend their wedding day with them. But I, also pay them hourly rates for all of those things. They don't have to do any of that for free. They still get compensated for all of that. Um, so the fact that what they're doing is showing up and shooting the wedding day is like, that's, that's what they're doing. That's it. I'm doing the timelines. I'm doing the correspondence. I'm doing the vendor interface. I'm doing the booking. I'm doing all the contracts. I'm carrying the live, you know, the business liability for the, for the business. I'm, you know, have liability insurance that covers the venue and, you know, and it goes on and on, right? There's so many different things. Plus you got to factor in all of your fixed costs, mm -hmm. like your website, any overhead that you have. Um, but you do know. you find, do you find that a lot of the people who pay associates as a percentage have the associates take on a lot of that work that you're talking about? No, I don't. I don't think so. And, and, and again, I could be wrong with, with wedding planners. I, I almost in my head just pictured some of my wedding planner friends yelling if they're listening to this podcast, yelling. I feel like, I feel like, it you know? would be, I feel like it would be different for planners because Absolutely. For planners are like, this is your client. You are planning their wedding. You yes. can't really, like, you can't really just have a planner that just like shows up on the day of, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. And frankly, the photographer in some cases can't just show up on the wedding. Obviously, like I'm giving them the timeline ahead of time. Maybe I'm briefing them on any special situations, but, um, but for the most part with, with a few exceptions, of course, the, the flow of a wedding day is, is, can be comparable. Whereas yes, with a planner, there's a lot more specific items and specific direction that, that is necessary usually. Um, but I think it just depends on how the planner runs their business, because I think some planners do, um, run it a way similar to, I do as my, with my photography in the sense that they just kind of are like, okay, here's all the information I've been working with them up until like this week, the week of their wedding, here's everything you need, go and just implement it. And then well, they're why is it that, okay, so you, like, obviously you can run your business however you'd like, right. but I'm curious if other people do have their associates take on more of that lead up stuff. And if that's not common, why is, why isn't it that common? Right. Cause that right. would, that would be much more scalable. Like you do all of the onboarding, you book the client, you hand them off to your associate. And now it's like your associate handles everything from there. You right. could take on a lot more clients that way. I think it's not as common. And again, I think with wedding planners, it is more common because yeah. again, the client feels more comfortable talking to the person who actually be there on their wedding day. And, and the planning can be handed off that way. I think it's less common, especially with photographers, because if you're going to be doing all that work, you might as well be running your own business because you're going to make more money that way. Probably. I right, mean, even all, but see, model, I would, I would push back on that and say, sure that there could be a lot of photographers who are like, I don't mind doing all of that. I just don't want to do all the marketing. So it's like, sure. 
Emily, you're getting your cut because you're, you're bringing in the clients. Right. 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 Like in a law firm, we would call you the rainmaker, right? Like there are people who make partner (laughs) and law firms, not necessarily because they're great attorneys, but they're great at getting business. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. No, that's a really good point. And, um, and I will say that, um, again, my, my, uh, associate who started with me in 2014 and, and worked for me for a long time, she did have a lot of, um, a lot more client interaction on, you know, on the lead up to the day. And she did, you know, she did office work for me too. So she had a lot more responsibility. I was still paying her. I was paying her like an hourly stipend and I don't want to get too in the weeds on like what we were paying or whatever, but, um, but I agree that maybe a percentage model would have been a better fit for that. So I do think that that could be, I, I just think that if you're going to do a percentage model, you really have to know the numbers and really feel confident that whatever percentage you're paying is the actual percentage of whatever the work is. And again, factoring in the costs as well. Yeah. I I always, I always like to push back in these kind of conversations. Oh, sure. Totally. I always think one of the things I tell people all the time is like, just because something's industry standard doesn't mean it's like the best option for you. And sometimes it doesn't even mean it's the best option for the industry. So, right. um, but there are and, like, sometimes people like to break the mold in ways that don't make sense. So it's always like, well, why are we doing this? What makes sense as far as compensation goes with the way that you actually want right. to run, like run your business. Right. Right. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about is, do you think it's been easier for you to build an associate team due to the fact that your personal name is not the business name? It's made it easier for me (laughs) um, because I don't have to do as much differentiating. I mean, the thing is, is that I still do all of the consultations over the phone and like via zoom and whatnot. So sometimes people are like, why am I talking to you and not to my photographer directly? And I'm like, well, because I'm the owner. And then I have to kind of explain it to them, but, um, that does happen, I think less often. And I think it is a little bit easier because my brand is just kind of a, you know, it's a brand name instead of my actual name. Um, so I do think that helps, but that said, I know, I mean, I know a lot of photographers who have, their own brand and, um, and still have associates under that brand and people who book that understand that they're getting the same experience or comparable Mm -hmm. experience that they would expect from the business owner, from whoever's name is on the business. It's just, um, either at a lower price point or there's more scheduling flexibility. Those are usually, I just know like a lot of photographers and a lot of business owners in general have objections around that. Mm-hmm. I figured I'd ask the question. Totally. Do you ever do you ever have clients who ask you like why Anna's not gonna photograph their their wedding or? Do oh they yeah, know? I get I get voicemails <laughs> all the time that are like because my you know my voicemail says hi this is Emily with Anna Dolores and and um people are like hi I was I was calling to see if Anna can shoot my wedding or I'll get emails I was actually we just I just booked a client who I was talking to who um booked us after seeing my wedding. Um, published, which was awesome. Uh, but she was like, I just loved Anna's wedding so much. And I'm like, uh-huh. So that was actually my <laughs> wedding. And she's like, oh my, and she was so embarrassed. And I was like, please don't be embarrassed. It literally happens all the time, all the time. I get people calling me Anna, asking Anna to shoot the wedding, etc. So, so as soon as I explain it to people and where the name comes from, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I thought I was like, I'm sure that you probably get that all the time. So. All the time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Okay. 
So when someone decides, all right, well, okay, let's talk about just second shooters for a second. It's pretty sure. straightforward, right? Yeah. But you hire a second shooter, you hire a contractor in your business, no matter what your business is. And ideally you're going to have a contractor agreement with this person. You're going to mm-hmm. come to a rate that you're going to pay them. Right. You know, they do the thing, you pay them. It's pretty straightforward, right? Am I missing anything right. here? Nope. <laughs> Not <Okay>. really. <laughs> I mean, do we, do you ever see any like payment issues with second shooters like are, are people overpaying them underpaying them do you think most people are like doing that like pretty okay and really just the issues with associates it was like 15 think, questions but i ahead. know i know i think that most people are paying their contractors their second shooters okay i think there's an industry standard i think it varies state to state because pricing overall varies state to state so i can really only speak to california um I tend to ask my second shooters what their normal rate is and what they would like to be paid. Um, and as long as it's, that's in kind of the range that I expect, and I have, you know, I have kind of a range anywhere from like 35 to 75 an hour, depending on experience. So as long as they kind of fall in that range, which it's a pretty broad range, honestly. So, um, so most people fall in that range. So whatever their expectation is, I usually just match that. Um, I do think that most people from what I have experienced do something similar or they will offer it at like, hey, I can pay someone $40 an hour, $50 an hour or whatever, take it or leave it. So, so um, does your company still utilize second shooters or do your yeah. associates second shoot for each other? I, when associates can second shoot for each other and for me, that's what I'll, that's what I'll do. That's what I'll use. But, um, but a lot of times, and frankly, especially this year with, you know, all the postponements that have happened, we're a little extra busy this year. Um, there are some days where we have three and four weddings on a single day. So we're all working. So we all need second shooters on top of our own wedding. So we absolutely still hire second shooters, um, or I should say contract second shooters um, for ourselves. So whenever an associate's available, that's my preference, um, both for myself and for you know each other. Uh, but that's not always an option. If we're if we're shooting weddings as our own lead, then we'll need a second shooter. So now's got it. Now's got to be like the perfect time to be like a baby photographer in the industry. So it's probably oh like second shooter jobs like left and right. They're everywhere because a lot of my second shooters, my go-to second shooters are not available because they have their own gigs booked, which, right. you know, because all of my second shooters are also professional photographers because we want someone else who's a professional and who knows what they're doing. And, um, and so we're all very, very booked out and you're absolutely right. Now is a Well, let me know. Time. Let me know if everyone's <laughs> booked. I am, I'm sitting here with my iPhone. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Amazing. I would teach you how to cam- use the camera so fast. Yes. Okay. So I'm assuming like, if you have one of your associates, who's an employee mm-hmm. second shooting for you on a wedding day, do you pay yep. them a different hourly rate? Um, they do have a different hourly rate, but they are still paid as an employee. Okay. So what do they like log into gusto and just like clock in under a different job title or how does that work? Um, they could do that. I don't have that. I don't use that part of Gusto personally, just um, because yeah, like a, you I, have to pay extra for that. It, it, correct. It's like the, ex, <laughs> the next level up upgrade for uh, for uh, Gusto services. Um, no, but I, because my team is small enough, I can still kind of keep track of their hours, no problem. And because they, you know, if they're working, it's like a wedding here, a wedding there sort of a thing. I think as as I start getting more people and we have more weddings on a given day, I'm going to need to start having them. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to upgrade to that level in Gusto because 
I'm not going to be able to keep track of it myself. Plus there's things like I, I do travel reimbursement and mileage reimbursement, um, mileage and travel. And then I also do like drive time. So all of those things are, that's a lot of things happening that I have to keep track of. And that is extra work for me. So, <laughs> so I'll probably, that'll be something that I'll make them responsible for probably in the Yeah, that future. upgrade will probably be worth the extra money. I think so. Point. I think so. Just the time <laughs> that it will give me back will be worth it. Yeah. So. Cause I just know, I just remember like when I worked in a restaurant that you mm-hmm. clock in, when you go yep. to clock in, there's like a drop down. It's like, well, what are you clocking in as? Yeah. I was a server. So I'd clock in as a server, which meant, you right. know, I made like $2 and 15 cents an hour plus mm-hmm. my tips, or you could right. clock in like as a host and get actual minimum wage. So <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So right. you can do the same, like, right. You can do the same exactly. thing. Exactly. It's the same. They have different, have employees exactly different that. rates. They, yeah, they have different rates depending on, and again, it's different rates based on drive time. If they're, if it's drive time, it's a different rate than if they're actually shooting. If they're doing like an admin, I have like admin, which is either they're doing a meeting with me or they're going to a walkthrough with the client. They also have a rate for engagement sessions, etc. So yeah. Yeah. And I know rates. one of the things I want to talk about is like payment frequency, because this is, I think a huge like a huge block people in the event industry have is they, mm-hmm. they think that like all employees must be salary and so that you can't do it when you're in the event industry. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I worked retail and I remember like in slow seasons, there were some weeks I didn't get any hours. Right. And then in the peak seasons, I would get 30 hours a week. You just yep. clock in hourly. Like there's no right. guarantee. Like, yeah. That's part-time work. That's what that is. So, right. And so yeah. you, you pay your associates the same way I would assume. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. They, um, they, they're on a biweekly pay cycle. So every, every two weeks on Friday, they get their paycheck. It gets direct deposited into their account. Um, I also get paid on that schedule because I, um, file taxes as an escort. So I'm an employee of my own Ooh. business. So I also thank you, Braden, for assistance with that. Braden helped me do that. Uh, <laughs> uh so So that's how I pay myself as well. So I just have to log in every two weeks. I get a nice little reminder email from Gusto and I log in and I enter everybody's hours and we all get paid on every other Friday. And, um, and they know that if they've shot a wedding or done any work in that pay, you know, pay period, that's when they get paid for it. So previously when I was paying contractors within 48 hours after a wedding gig, now my employees know that it'll just show up on their next paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on Gusto payroll now too. And I got to be honest, like I don't have any employees yet, so I can be pretty flexible with it. But I forget my payroll all the time. Like I I always think, I always forget if I'm supposed to run the payroll on the first or if I'm supposed to run it on like the 15th. And then I basically get like a half cycle behind. But do you get the reminder emails though? That's like, you have to like file it by this day. I do, but then I'm like, I'm, I, then I forget Oh, was it? I could have ran it on the first, but now it's telling me, Hey, it's the 13th. You only have two days left for this payroll cycle. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I get confused myself, everyone. So if you get totally, I think you're overthinking it. I just, when they get that, when I get the email, that's like, it's time to run payroll. I'm like, great. And I go in and I enter it. And I do tell tell everyone though, I pay my contractors via gusto. And a lot of people don't think about that because they're like, why would I pay? Like, why would I pay to pay my contractors when I can do that for free a bunch of other places? But it's so great because when you have contractors via Gusto, the contractors have to uh, submit their W-9 to Gusto and give all their information. That's so smart. I yeah, before they can get paid. And then at the end of the year, the best part is every January, 
I just hit a button that says run 1099s and it auto generates them and emails them to my contractors. My accountant would love that so much. I really need to do that. That would make life easier for my accountant. Sure. You should do that. <laughs> the only, I mean, the drawback is, is it costs you $5 per contractor per month. Yeah. So, you know, if you're working with like 30 different second shooters throughout the year, sure. like, but also, up. but also it only, char- it doesn't charge you it only charges you when you pay that contractor. So if you only right. have one second shooter for one month, it costs you $5. Oh, well, that's nice. So it's only $5 a month if you're, if you have yeah. the same. Contract. So if you had 10 second shooters in one month, then it would be, you know, 50 extra dollars that month. Sure. Right. Um, Which again, if, if they're making them fill up the W9 and get all that paperwork, that would frankly be worth it right there. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Can you have them do contracts through Gusto too? Um, like sign contractor so. contract. That would be nice. That would, that would really sell me on it is if they could also do the contract. Cause you and I were just talking about this, that with contractors, I'm going to have them sign a different contract every time they shoot with us because it you is an ad, you know, a, a per gig situation. I bet you could though. We should look into that. You know what? Let's look okay. into that. Glad we're workshop into this on the podcast. Yeah. If, if Gusto can do that, then I feel like I'll be able to get a lot more people sign up for Gusto with my affiliate link. hundred <laughs> percent. By the way, everyone, if you need to get on Gusto, shoot me a DM on Instagram or post in my Facebook group and get you my affiliate link. It's, it's, it's pretty magical. If you have employees and again, even if you just have contractors or you have to pay yourself through payroll, whatever, Gusto is honestly really amazing. And like, I've had like occasional, they file that, you know, they file paperwork for you. They file, um, you know, different employment taxes on your behalf. If there's an issue with it, they deal with it for you. It's actually really lovely. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. Yeah. So let's start to wrap this conversation up with, I want to talk a little bit about benefits. Do okay. you do any of this? Do you have vacation time for your people? Do you pay any like health expenses? Are we doing any of that yet? So we are not doing most of that yet. I do um, provide vacation and sick time. Um, partially because I am required by the state of California to do so, uh, which is fine with me. I mean, they certainly deserve it. So I'm happy to do that. Um, I am not doing things like 401ks or health benefits yet. Um, again, it's not a requirement until I want to say 10 or it's either 10 or 15 employees in California. Um, so the fact that I'm so small, I'm not required to do that, uh, at this point. And, um, frankly, I can't afford it at this point. So, uh, so that isn't something that's included yet, but it's definitely something that, that would be a possibility for, for future options for my employees. Like, especially if they wanted to be, I have one associate in particular who, um, you know, she's starting to go back to school and I'm almost trying to be like, do you want to work for me full time? Cause if you're worried about like finding a career, I can help you with that. Like, we can do that in house. Like I can, we can make this happen just because she's so great. And I want to keep her forever. Um, I mean, they all, all three of my associates are fantastic, but, um, but you know, she's kind of looking for that next level. And I'm like, if you want full-time work, I can give that to you. So like for something like that, I would, um, probably frankly consult an employment attorney and be like, where, what's the best option here? What should I do? What am I required to do versus what's best practice? That sort of a thing. So yeah. that's that was gonna be, everyone's part-time. So yeah, that was going to be my next question is how are you staying on top of all of these legal requirements under California employment law? Do you do your own research or do you have an employment attorney that's regularly 
consulting with I'm you. A, I have an employment attorney <laughs> who's who I'm consulting with. When I first hired my associates, and again, that was kind of in tandem with um, when I did the Unfuck Your Biz program, it was around the same timing um, that I decided to hire my, my contractors, my associates as employees because of the AB5 laws and et cetera. Um, and I wanted to just play, play it safe rather than sorry. Um, I remember uh, my employment attorney saying, it just depends on your level of risk aversion. And I'm like, great. I am very, very averse to risk. And so, so let's do it. Um, let's pull the trigger on that. And, uh, and so, um, so yeah, so she really handheld me and walked me through it and made sure that I was compliant with all the different things, which I do really, really recommend because even doing my own research, it's like, it's there's, hard. there's conflicting information. You don't know which the trustworthy sources are. Um, so I think having someone who knows legally what you're supposed to do and, and you can have them on retainer is, is really the smartest way and the easiest way to do it. So do you mind sharing how much that costs you? Um, I don't mind sharing, but I don't actually remember how much I paid her to begin with. And now I just pay, like, if I have questions or I check in with her, I just pay her hourly rate, um, which is, I want to say it's 400 an hour. I haven't, I I haven't, yeah, I haven't um, utilized her services recently. Um, but, um, and again, I don't, I don't recall what it was up front. Yeah. I know for a lot of people, it's going to sound like a lot of money. It is. Attorneys yeah, are it's not, it's not cheap, but it's, it's a lawyer. Right. <laughs> so. But also like a well-qualified attorney, like can typically answer all your questions in an hour. Absolutely. And that was really, really valuable to me. And, and again, if I send, you know, an occasional email or whatever, like she's happy to get back to me and she, you know, she maybe won't necessarily charge me per email or whatever. Although I am very cognizant of like, I understand if this is going to take up more of your time than just like a quick response, happy to pay you for your time because it's so valuable to me to get a direct and correct answer quickly, mm-hmm. then spend all my time trying to figure it out myself on the internet. And then maybe I'm still wrong and not being compliant. And like, there's, to me, this is not like, there's no, uh, there's not a lot of room for error with something like this, because if something goes wrong, like I don't want to mess with that. I don't want to mess with penalty fees. I don't want to mess with getting put the potential for getting sued by anybody. Like I have no interest yeah. in even having to worry about that. So to me, it's worth the cost up front. Um, and frankly, I, I mean, again, people can run their businesses however they want, but I think that it's a wise investment to consult an attorney uh, for things like this and same with things like contracts, like at least buy your contract from a, a lawyer <laughs> so that you know, it's been lawyer reviewed and approved. So, so I talked about this a little bit with Ashley, but I'm curious to get your thoughts as well. Mm -hmm. What would you tell someone if they're like, I don't know if I'm ready to have employees, like what should their threshold marker be? What they, what should they be looking at? And when should they be ready to pull the trigger on that? Well, this is sort of cheating because I just listened to Ashley's episode. (laughs) Uh, but I actually, answer. I 110% agree with her answer um, that you shouldn't wait until you're completely swamped. It's actually very, very good advice um, because when you are completely booked and you feel like you're in over your head, it's almost like it's too late to hire someone because you're so overwhelmed and hiring people takes a time investment as well. You can't just hire someone and hope that they're gonna do everything right that they're supposed to do the way you wanna do it. You have to invest that time in the right person. So you have to find the right person to begin with. And then you have to invest that time into showing them how you want things done. 
Um, and if you are completely maxed out and exhausted and overwhelmed, there's no, there's no room for you to do that. So I think her, I believe her criteria was like 75 to 80% booked is when you need to be like, this is what, this is what needs to happen. And, um, and frankly, that is, you know, when I hired my first associates, the, um, the other colleague that I mentioned, the friend of mine who was like, oh, I think I want to get out of weddings, but I want to still shoot weddings. That actually, that business relationship between her and I went really sideways. And I'm so thankful we're actually still like friends. And she's actually my associate again now, because it's been many years since we worked through our shit. And um, we have different communication and working styles now. So it's all been figured out. But in the beginning, I, we just had completely different expectations of what the position meant. And I didn't communicate it properly. And I just started pushing things on her. I'm like, we need to do these meetings. You need to talk to these clients. I'm going to book you for this much work. And it totally blindsided her. And, um, and I think that that was a result of me being in such a busy season in my own business that I didn't take the time to kind of set those expectations for her, communicate properly, um, and really just kind of set the stage for a positive working relationship. And those things are so crazy important. Even if you get the best people into the position, it doesn't matter if you don't have time or energy or bandwidth to give them the tools that they need to succeed because they need to know how you want things done in your business and what the expectations are. And, um, and being unable to set those expectations is going to be hugely detrimental. And that was something I've learned a few times over with different associates. Frankly, it took me kind of an embarrassing amount of time to realize that I need to spend more time training associates. You know, my first several associates I kind of hired and I was like, okay, you're a photographer, you're a wedding photographer that means you know what to do. And I would just sort of set them out, set them on their way. And I didn't give them a lot of guidelines. I didn't tell them what I wanted them to do. And when they came back and weren't giving me what I wanted, I got frustrated and it was frustrating for everybody because they're not, they're unhappy because they're not, they feel like they're not doing their jobs. I'm unhappy because I feel like I'm not delivering what I need to deliver to the client. So it sounds really, really simple and, and kind of lame at this point. (laughs) But that communication is, I mean, since I've sort of like clicked that that's a lesson I, I've learned and that is so, so important. It's like, that is honestly, to me, just as important as like how much you're paying them and getting your contracts in order. Like you need to make sure that they know what this job is about, what's expected of them. And it's not being bossy. It's being a good leader and a good manager. And it's, you know, I, yeah, I the think people like the people management aspect is a very often overlooked area, especially right. when it comes to hiring. Mm-hmm. This is why you all probably, if you want to start hiring, go get some education on that. Speaking yes. of, you got something, <laughs> you got something coming up with that? I do. Yeah. So, you know, in the vein of all the things I've learned, um, I am starting to offer associate team coaching so that if you are someone who wants to build your team, um, even if you don't have any, any contractors or any employees yet, um, if that's something that you're interested in, whether it's someone to photograph weddings for your brand work, you know, work weddings for you as a wedding planner, um, you know, even if you wanted to hire someone just for your office and, and you need a full-time office assistant, whatever, uh, I, I am starting a, um, a group, a small group coaching program, and I'm, I'm launching the first one in about two weeks. And that's actually going to be the beta group. So that one is um, already 
at capacity, but, um, but that's something I'm going to be offering again, um, probably in the fall. So, so how should people get in touch with you if you're, they're interested in learning more about that? Absolutely. So, um, frankly, if you just DM me on Instagram, that's, that's the best <laughs> way right now. I'm, um, I'm simultaneously recruiting people to be new associate photographers for Anna Dolores. And I'm, uh, you know, starting this outreach with like, Hey, if you want to build your own associate program, if you're on the other side of that and you want to, you know, grow your own brand, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to kind of offer that, that information there. So DMing me on Instagram, is just Anna Dolores, um, a N N A D E L O R E S. Um, just DM me there and let me know that you're interested in, and I'll, um, I'll kind of put you on the, uh, the rotation for getting more information about that. Yeah. And we'll put the, we'll put the link in the show notes to your Instagram. Of course, we'll also tag you on Instagram. So you all can watch out for the stories. One thing I like to tell people all the time is there's obviously two sides to this coin. So we don't talk a lot about the management of people on this podcast, because that's what people like Emily and Ashley, who was on the podcast last week, teaching their programs. I talk more about how to compliantly onboard people. So I've been talking about my new program, Unfuck Your Biz. Uh, It's a very, very short, I'm calling it a mini course. It's only a hundred dollars. It's like three video lessons with some links and resources. But starting the week of the 28th, which I think should be next week, uh, we're going to do a live round. So if you join, it's $100 and we're going to do three weeks of um, live Q&A. So that's basically my beta program. So what I would encourage you to do, and also this is a very, very important note. This program is really just designed to help you onboard contractors, okay? It's help you to figure out if you can legally hire contractors and then if so, how to hire them. If you want to build out an associate team with employees, then you definitely want to get an employment attorney along with Emily self. All right. So if you're not sure like which direction you're leaning, you all can DM me on Instagram. Um, But one of the things we'll be doing in my program is helping you determine, well, should you have employees or should you have contractors? Either way, you'll learn a lot. Um, But building out a team is no simple feat. So you got to get the legal help and you got to get the management help as well. Right. But it also is very, it's very rewarding once you figure out how to do it. I mean, I already had a team before I decided to make that make my team into employees. And that felt like hiring them all over again. And it was very scary, but with Brayden's <laughs> help and with the help of my employment attorney, I was able to figure it out, get my shit together. Um, and it's awesome. And wow. I, and I'm so excited to, to be able to, first of all, just be compliant and know that I'm doing it the right way and now be able to share that experience with other people in a way that hopefully makes it very accessible because while it can be scary, it's also, I mean, an incredible way to, to build your brand and build your team. And, and for me, it's a little bit of a, a long-term not exit strategy completely, but again, like I said, I don't want well, to scaling strategy, right? You got to do that. Scaling. To scale exactly. Your exactly. So that, okay. that way I don't have to personally do that myself forever. So yes. yeah. Love that. All right. So everyone go follow Emily on Instagram, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, do all of the things and I'll be back here next week. So stay tuned, stay happy, stay healthy. And I'll meet you back on the pod. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.